Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank you for tuning in and spending your afternoon with us. Also want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Well, we start today a little bit like we started yesterday. Uh, things have escalated in Ukraine. The provinces that declared independence were recognized by Russia yesterday. Uh, Russian troops have moved into those provinces in eastern Ukraine as peacekeepers to prevent the Ukrainian government from retaking those territories. Uh, most people in the intelligence community are now looking at this and saying that uh, there is a full-blown plan to attack Kiev uh, here in in the, the short order uh, by Russian troops. Now, we don't know for sure, obviously, if that is going to happen, but uh, it is a a likely scenario that is playing out. A lot of people are saying that this is probably what is going to happen. Uh, the term from General Petraeus is that he believes Putin is preparing to deliver the Russian version of shock and awe on the Ukraine and using Eastern Ukraine as an example of that. As most of you know, uh, the the former Vice President Joe Biden had previously said that, you know, a minor incursion might be okay and whatnot. And of course, this is exactly what has happened. <clears throat> and a lot of people have pointed out that, you know, when Joe Biden went out there and said a minor incursion is not going to be a big deal in eastern Ukraine, um, the Pentagon tried to fix that situation, but the word had already gone out to Putin that a minor incursion into eastern Ukraine would be okay. And that's exactly what's happened at this point in time. Uh, now, this these are areas that have already been controlled by Russian separatists for some time. They're not under the control of the Ukrainian government, per se, even though they are officially a part of Ukraine, but they have declared their independence. The Ukraine has refused to, to accept their independence, and now the Russians have acknowledged their independence and has moved troops in in a peacekeeping role in order to uh, prevent, what they're saying is a peacekeeping role, in order to prevent Ukraine from responding. Um, the former vice president announced sanctions today, <clears throat> and they're... Look, I'm just going to go over this. And, and as I've told you before, you know, leading into his being inaugurated, the policies that Joe Biden does will benefit Russia. And that is essentially what has happened here. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Repeatedly, from the very first week that he was in the White House, Joe Biden did things that rolled back. Not protections, but limitations and sanctions and things like that against the Russians. And he, he helped them in various ways. Now, of course, he will, he will tell you that um, he didn't do that, but anybody who was paying attention knew that that was exactly what was happening, which is why we kept telling you about them. Uh, Joe Biden, Tuesday, announced the first wave of sanctions. He did this, I don't know, what, an hour or two ago? The first wave of sanctions against Russia for what he said was the beginning of an invasion of Ukraine and vowed steeper punishments ahead if Russia continues its aggression. Uh, Democrat chief executive described the U.S. move against Russian banks and sovereign debt as the first, the first of a series of such actions. In a brief address in the White House, Biden declared that Moscow had flagrantly violated international law by invading Ukraine. Now, of course, Vladimir Putin has said that they didn't invade Ukraine. That states in Ukraine that declared independence were being recognized by the Russian Federation as being independent and that they asked for his troops help. So he moved his troops in in order to prevent them from being attacked by the Ukrainian government. 
I'm not saying that I agree with this position. I'm just telling you what he's saying. Uh, let's see. Vladimir Putin <clears throat> uh, says none of us will be fooled about the Ukraine. Um, let's see. Wait, no, 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 sorry. This is Joe Biden. None of us will be fooled by Russian President Vladimir Putin's claims about Ukraine and said more sanctions could be on the way if Putin proceeds further. Biden said that he was also moving additional U.S. troops to the Baltic states on NATO's eastern flank bordering Russia. All right. Can I just ask a question here, ladies and gentlemen? So Joe Biden is announcing that U.S. troops are being moved to NATO to bolster NATO's eastern flank with Russia. Why is that just happening now? Can I just ask you that? Why is it happening now? Why didn't this happen before? Why weren't U.S. peacekeepers or NATO peacekeepers put into Ukraine to prevent a Russian invasion in a defensive posture, not an offensive posture, but a defensive posture? Why, Why didn't that happen? Why are we waiting until eastern Ukraine has now been completely absorbed by the Russian Federation before we send more troops to Europe? Shouldn't that have been something that was done a while ago? From the guy who said, we're not going to send American troops and we're not going to send allied troops. Suddenly they are. Uh, Okay. Does any of this make any kind of strategic sense to anybody? Now, for those of you who maybe are not of that mindset or have that experience, you're probably asking that question yourself. But for, for people who do have that experience, they're certainly looking at this and going, what in the world are we doing? Biden joined the 27 European Union members who unanimously agreed on Tuesday to levy their own initial set of sanctions targeting Russian officials over their actions in Ukraine. He vowed to defend NATO territory against Russia's invasion of Ukraine while noting that we have no intention of fighting Russia. Okay, so again, we're moving troops to bolster the NATO eastern flank. It's basically just, I don't know, it's kind of like a show of force, I guess, but not really. Uh, we're going to do that, and we're going to have some sanctions against the Russians, but we're, we're totally not going to fight the Russians at all. We're not interested in fighting the Russians, so the Russians can continue doing what, what they're doing, but we're not going to fight them. None of this, the messaging on this is completely off. He vowed to defend NATO territory against Russians, Russia's invasion of Ukraine while noting that we have no intention of fighting Russia. Um, so, again, uh, Ukraine's not a part of NATO. So... NATO is not under threat here. Russia is not going to pick a fight with NATO. Russia can't win a fight with NATO, and Russia knows they can't win that fight. They're not going to pick a fight with NATO. So there's just a lot of weird posturing that is going on that doesn't really mean anything. And it's all designed to, politically speaking, make Biden look like he is responding to something that he's not responding to at all. Let me just square this up for everybody. Biden didn't respond to any of the initial threats against the Ukraine or Eastern Ukraine or anything. He didn't. Biden has specifically said if it was a minor incursion into Eastern Ukraine, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. Okay. Well, there's been an incursion in Eastern Ukraine now. Right now, after that incursion into Ukraine has happened, Biden's response is to send troops to countries that are not under threat. Biden's response then is, oh, we'll do some sanctions, but reiterating that we're not interested in fighting the Russians. We're not going to fight them at all. 
we're just going to protect NATO territory, but we're totally not going to fight the Russians. Well, Russia's not threatening NATO territory at this point. What, what, are you, what are you actually doing? And the answer is, you know, you're just moving stuff around on the table, but not actually doing anything with it to make your voters seem... Basically, your voters are looking at this, and the news media is looking at this and go, oh, look at all the stuff he's doing. None of it is meaningful. It's all magic tricks. Sleight of hand. Former President Donald Trump on Tuesday issued a statement hitting Biden and weak sanctions on Russia, saying that the country has become very, very rich, causing oil prices to rise. Trump claimed in a statement issued by his political action committee, Save America, that there was absolutely no reason that the situation in Ukraine should have happened at all. I agree. This could have been stopped a long time ago. And said that sanctions issued against Russia are weak and insignificant compared to gaining control over Ukraine. This is true. And this is kind of what I highlighted for all of you earlier, uh, yesterday and then a little bit last week. You know, the Russians are looking at this and the Russians fully understand if they make moves on Ukraine, like they are posturing to make those moves. They know what's coming economically. They don't care. And the reason they don't care is they probably have a backup plan for what will happen with the European Union and NATO and even the United States. So what they just need to sell oil. They don't need to sell it to Europe. So I'm assuming that the Russians have positioned themselves in a way that they don't need European business. And if they don't have European business, they'll be okay. That's my assumption. I think it's a, a reasonably safe assumption. If there is a country that is dependent upon something economically and they're going to jeopardize that, that is a very risky move. Russia's not concerned at all about any of that. If properly handled, this is Trump now, if properly handled, there was absolutely no reason that the situation currently happening in Ukraine should have happened at all. I know Russian President Vladimir Putin very well, and he would have never done, he would have never done this during a Trump administration, uh, what he is doing now. Russia has become very, very rich during the Biden administration with oil prices doubling and soon to be tripling and quadrupling. The weak sanctions are insignificant relative to taking over a country and a massive piece of strategically located land. And as I've told you before, the Ukraine is extremely valuable real estate for a whole host of reasons. Now, the other thing here is if you're going to attack the, the, Nord, uh, the Nord 2 pipeline, economically, not physically attack that. Uh, if you're going to do that and you're going to try and hurt the Russian energy machine, okay, you have to consider all of those European countries, particularly Germany, who has chosen unwisely to get their oil from Russia. So while you're out there saying, well, look, we're going to damage the Russian economy by messing with the pipeline, the Russians are going, we're going to mess with your oil supply by messing with our pipeline. Where are you going to get the oil from? Now, obviously, there's other sellers of oil. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if one of those other sellers of oil were the United States of America, which over a year ago was a net exporter of oil for the first time in its history? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice if we were one of those where we could look at Europe and go, hey, here's the deal. If we're going to put sanctions on Russia, yeah, he's, he's going to cut supply of oil probably to you guys, and it's going to be a bit of a problem, but we can easily make up for that. We'll give you the same rate or even a better rate, whatever the, uh, the, the market says. Would it be nice if we were in that position again? But we're not because Joe Biden sucks at his job.
But Trump is right. It never should have escalated this. You've heard me say this for months. I mean, this is not a difficult situation uh, to prevent, but you've got to make Vladimir Putin blink. And if you don't make Vladimir Putin blink, then there's no reason for him to take you seriously. I know that Americans probably don't want to hear this, so I'm just going to point blank say it. Vladimir Putin is a tough guy. Vladimir Putin is an alpha male. And whether you want to hate him and belittle him all you want, nothing changes the fact that this guy is tough, he is strong, he is smart, and he's a great leader for his people. Period. And there's a lot of Americans out there, oh, you're going to legitimize him that way. I got news for you. He's legitimately the president of one of the most powerful countries in the world. Whether you like it or not, doesn't really matter. And you can call him illegitimate or not, as the left loved to do during the Trump administration. You're just legitimizing a tyrant. Okay, first of all, Putin is not a tyrant. He's not a good guy. He's certainly been tyrannical towards certain groups of people. But overall, he's not what you would describe as a tyrant. Not in your traditional tyrannical fashion. What he has been is a very strong vocal leader for his people, who is now in a position to expand geopolitical influence with military backing that he wasn't in before. And suddenly he finds himself in that position. And as I've said before, you can talk about him not being legitimate or uh, you know, having conversations with him, being legitimizing him and everything else. Talk to the Ukrainians and ask if Vladimir Putin is legitimate now. You remember when they were saying this garbage under Trump? You remember that? Why have any conversation with Vladimir Putin at all? He's, you're just going to legitimize this horrible guy. Because he's the leader of Russia. That's why. Why would you not have conversations with him? Why would you not be willing to negotiate and build a friendly relationship with somebody that you don't want to go to war with? And yeah, the United States probably going to win that war, but it's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. It's going to be very expensive in both gold and loss of life. Why bother with it when it could easily be avoided? So all of the people who didn't want to talk to Vladimir Putin, this is kind of what happens when you don't talk to Vladimir Putin. Or you certainly don't talk to him from a position of strength. You get the Ukraine on the verge of being snuffed out once again from history. Certainly eastern Ukraine is going to be absorbed by the Russian Federation in a few years if, if uh, the Ukraine doesn't fall here. And all Joe Biden is doing is going, yeah, you know, we don't like your oligarchs, so we're going to like freeze some assets and stuff. Do you think they haven't prepared for that? I got news for you. The Russian oligarchs don't have all of their assets in the United States. They're going to be okay. You might make them hurt a little bit, but they'll be fine. I'm sure the Russian government will figure out a way to compensate them. Nothing that's being done. Trump is absolutely right. Nothing that's been proposed today against Russia actually does anything to Russia. It's all a posturing move to go, oh, look, we're doing something. You're not doing anything. It's all meaningless. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
Seems like this is happening a lot lately. The Racing Commission has stripped Medina Spirit of the Kentucky Derby win. And what is, how do you say that? Mandalone? Mandalone has now been announced the victor. Why does this keep happening? The Kentucky Horse Racing Commission stripped trainer Bob Baffert and the now-deceased racehorse Medina Spirit of their 2021 Kentucky Derby victory, and a new winner has been announced on Monday. Following his victory in 2021, Medina Spirit's tested positive for uh, beta-methazone, which is banned by the KHRC on the specific race day, but legal in the state of Kentucky. So you can't do it on race day, but you can do it outside of race day, I guess. Um, Baffert later admitted to using an ointment for skin inflammation that he knew contained the steroid, according to the Associated Press, who's then banned by Churchill Downs, the racetrack that hosts the Kentucky Derby for two years after the initial positive test in 2021. So they've officially stripped the title. What does that mean if you won money on that race, though? So let's say you were, you know, betting on the race and you won money when you bet on Medina Spirit to win. Um, and like, does, does that go away? I, I would assume it doesn't, but if you bet on the other horse that Mand- Mandalone or Mandalone and that horse didn't win on the day of the race, but now has been announced the victor, I, I, can you get your money back? I don't know that you can probably not. I would assume, but boy, if somebody lost a ton of money, they could probably have a lawsuit that way. Anyway, MNC news time is three 31. We're going to talk about Kyle. Lionheart Rittenhouse. He is back and he is going on offense. That'll be next. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, MNC News Time 332. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Now, before we move on to Kyle Rittenhouse here, I just want to take a flashback. Let's, let's go back to 2018. Okay, back in 2018, President Trump went to the NATO summit. And remember, President Trump's NATO summit visit that year was just like, it was just dropping bombs all over the place. And it was a, it was a good time. The news media lost their collective minds. The, the foreign, we'll call them allies, lost their collective minds. And, and Trump was the rock star that he, he usually is. So this is the NATO summit 2018, ready? This is President Trump. So we're protecting Germany. We're protecting France. We're protecting all of these countries. And then the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. It's very unfair to our country. It's very unfair to our taxpayers. And I think that these countries need to step it up, not over a 10-year period. They need to step it up immediately. Now, that's in 2018. That's President Trump properly admonishing NATO allies who are taking Russian oil while simultaneously asking and begging for the United States to to burden themselves with the lion's share of cost, logistics, manpower, and equipment in protecting all of those countries from Russia. Why does NATO exist again? To protect Europe from Russia. So, All of those countries sitting there taking oil, giving billions of dollars to the Russian coffers while asking us to spend all of our money and use all of our manpower and all of our equipment to protect them from the Russians that they are now giving billions of dollars to. 
That's leadership. That's what that looks like. Leadership is not what you're seeing from Joe Biden today. So we got to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. Speaking of leadership, and one of the things that I always tell you, go on offense. Stop playing defense. You have to go on offense. Kyle Rittenhouse on Monday said that he is launching a project that seeks to hold news organizations accountable for their lies. Rittenhouse is 19 years old. He was acquitted in November of 2021 of charges related to shooting of three people during the uh, during a night of riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Back in August of 2020, he shared details of this new initiative on Tucker Carlson tonight. Me and my team have decided to launch the Media Accountability Project as a tool to help fundraise and hold the media accountable for the lies that they said and deal with them in court. Yes. Finally. It is about time somebody did this. And you know what? It took the victim of a orchestrated media smear campaign that lasted years to get this done. I don't want to see anybody, anybody else have to deal with what I went through. So I want to hold them accountable for what they did to me because I don't want to see anyone have to go through what I went through. He said, he also said that the fund will help raise money for potential lawsuits and that his team is currently weighing up suing quite a few politicians, athletes, and celebrities. Okay. So now, Kyle Rittenhouse says that he will sue Whoopi Goldberg and other celebrities, politicians, and athletes for calling him a murderer after he was acquitted of killing two men during Kenosha. Because this is the fine line that's getting walked here. The press is trying to tell you, and they tried to do this through the Trump years. Remember when when they would lie about President Trump and Trump would go, I'm going to start suing you. You can't sue us. We're the news media. Freedom of the press. Freedom of speech. We can say whatever we want. No, you can't. You can't say whatever you want about anybody. And you don't have an extra shield because you happen to be a news organization or a news agency. If you libel somebody, you libel and, and smear somebody, you can be held accountable for that. You don't get to go, oh, yeah, we lied about him, but we're, we're a news agency, so it's okay. You can't do that. That's not how this works. You can still be sued when you lie about somebody. And so Kyle Rittenhouse is basically saying, look, after I was acquitted, they continued to say that I was a murderer. So that's where he can get them. Now, leading up to his trial, excuse me, hit the microphone, leading up to the trial, that's a much tougher case because, well, we're giving our opinion as the news and nothing had been settled yet in court. Well, once the evidence came out and was settled in court and it was found out that he was completely innocent, then they continued to call him a murderer. And at that point in time, he can go after him. I think if you have a good enough lawyer who wants who wants to take some risks, you could probably go after them earlier than that based on the, the video evidence that was released. But... Still good stuff. So Kyle Rittenhouse says he plans to shoot Whoopi, uh, Sue, not shoe, Sue, Whoopi Goldberg, the Young Turks founder, Cenk Uyghur, both of them continue to call him a murderer after. He also said uh, superstar in the NBA, LeBron James, also accused, accused him of, of uh, pretending to cry after he broke down in the court. So he's putting together all sorts of potential lawsuits here. And that's obviously not just the news agencies who lied about the evidence in the case leading up to and through and then after the trial. But he's specifically targeting people who 
for calling him a murderer even after he was acquitted. This is what going on offense looks like. This is what leadership looks like. This kid's 19 years old. He's 19 years old, guys, and he has already done, well, frankly, a bunch of stuff that a lot of adults would not have the intestinal fortitude to do. So he's got his team together. We already know he's going to be a very rich man. We already know that. He's going to start suing people. He's going to get way more money, I believe, uh, than Nicholas Salmon, who was the Covington Catholic kid. And he became a, you know, a, an extra, what, a triple-digit millionaire. So he's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And Kyle Rittenhouse is probably going to do a lot better than that. But now he's setting up a fund. He's doing something else. He's not just going on with his life. He's setting up a fund for this happens to somebody else. They have the ability to fight back against media smear campaigns. And I've told you before, you, know, you want to fix this country and some of the stuff that we're dealing with right now? You First of all, you have to stop taking the high road. Okay, I know that some of you are still entrenched in this case. You take the high road stuff. No, the high road is for people who lose. Period. You can't take the high road anymore. This decorum wins, calmer attitudes sort of thing, that doesn't work anymore. You've got to get in the trenches. You've got to get in the dirt, period. So people have to start doing that. They've got to start putting their money where their mouth is to create a parallel economy, and they have got to start holding people accountable instead of just going, oh, they're an idiot, they're wrong. No, you need to sue them now. You've got to sue everybody. They have to know that there is a consequence or at least the potential consequence of their actions if they overstep. You have to do that. This is a critical key component to fixing our society. And I know that a lot of people just view this as, oh, more frivolous lawsuits or whatever. And that's always been a traditional conservative libertarian perspective. Somebody says something about me. They have a right to say it. I'm not going to sue them just for that. No, it's okay to sue for slander. You're allowed to do that. That's why it exists. And frankly, we need to do it a heck of a lot more. That's the only way that people are going to learn to keep their stupid mouths shut. And if they keep their mouths shut and there's a consequence, maybe some of this rhetoric gets toned down going forward in the future. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. It wasn't one of those things that I was holding in. It came out of nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. You know, I like you're holding it. You're just, you're trying to talk, but not let it out. No, nothing like that was indicating that I had to burp, but I did yesterday, right? I said, I'm going to have a bunch of tacos and I'll be burping all over the show. That is exactly what ended up happening. Taco Tuesday at Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill was a blast today. I'm, I'm glad that a lot of you came out and enjoyed it. We packed that place. That place was absolutely mobbed uh, when we got done with it and they were not expecting that crowd. So thank you for that. Another successful remote over at Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill. Good gosh, you can pull that as a blooper. Uh, when did that happen? It was like 3.55 is when they got to pull that as a blooper. That's good, that's good stuff right there. All right, what in the world was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about um, speaking of suing people for libel and slander, right? Harvard Law Professor. Keep in mind, this is a law professor. Lawrence Tribe. Now, I've made fun of Lawrence Tribe and his lack of legal knowledge in the past, considering he's a law professor at Harvard. He suggested that Fox News host Tucker Carlson 
could be guilty of treason and giving aid and comfort to Russia. Oh, really? Oh, this should be interesting. So he he says, led by Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson, the GOP's Trump wing appears to be throwing its weight behind Putin. I haven't seen a single Trump supporter throw their weight behind Putin. Not what? Producer hasn't either. If Putin opts to wage war on our ally, Ukraine, such aid and comfort to an enemy would appear to become treason as defined by Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution. This is a law professor at Harvard. I'm persuaded by those who thought I meant to be using the word treason literally, despite my use of the phrase would appear to be that I should have been more careful. Yeah, when you say something appears to be treason, you're saying it's treason, you idiot. There are lawyers out there who have law degrees from Harvard who think they're well-educated. And they were taught by this guy. Now, the funny aspect is all of the times that Lawrence Tribe would have committed treason under his own definition under the Trump administration. But he won't talk about that, will he? He's deleted all of those tweets after numerous other lawyers and professors chimed in and said, yeah, none of this meets the definition of treason in Article 3, you dingbat. But it's good to know that he's a tenured law professor at Harvard. So if you have a law degree from Harvard and Lawrence Tribe is your professor, you're probably not very good at being lawyers. First round of sanctions on Russia. Alisa Brady, Fox News. The U.S. response to Russian troops invading Ukraine. President Biden says there is no justification for Russian President Vladimir Putin ordering troops into Ukraine. To put it simply, Russia just announced that it is carving out a big chunk of Ukraine. That action, the president says, is a flagrant violation of international law that demands a firm response, announcing sanctions to a pair of Russian banks and wealthy oligarchs. They share in the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. The president describing those sanctions as a first tranche, warning more will follow if Russia moves further into Ukraine. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. The U.S. joins 27 European Union members who voted unanimously today to target Russian officials with sanctions. Germany also halting the certification of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia. President Biden also moving more U.S. troops to Baltic states on NATO's eastern flank bordering Russia. Earlier today, Russia's parliament authorizing military force outside the country, while President Putin made some new demands for ending the crisis, including a partial demilitarization of Ukraine and international recognition of Crimea as part of Russia. Republican congressional leaders say Iowa's first female governor, Kim Reynolds, will give the GOP response to the president's State of the Union address next week. She's been critical of the president's handling of the economy, the border, and COVID. With House Minority leader Kevin McCarthy adding that disastrous decision-making in Washington has been offset by real leadership in states across the country like Iowa that Reynolds handled COVID by choosing freedom over lockdowns and personal responsibility over mandates. Fox's Jeff Manasso. The Dow down 482 at the close. America is listening to Fox News. Eric Bowling is on Newsmax, giving you the real truth. 
Find Newsmax on cable, on streaming, or on your app for the really big news. Eric Bowling, The Balance, exposes the hidden dangers of inflation to your investments, your home, even your Social Security and Medicare. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If your operator doesn't carry it, call them, tell them you want it. Download the free Newsmax app on your phone and start watching now. Make the switch to Newsmax today. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect of divorce becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years. Contact Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's Indianapolis area attorneys. 101 West Ohio Street, Suite 1100, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46204. Online at CordellCordell.com. The Supreme Court declines to hear a case involving a woman who says Jeffrey Epstein abused her as a minor. Courtney Wilde filed a lawsuit that said federal prosecutors violated her rights as a crime victim when they cut a deal with the now late financier Jeffrey Epstein more than a decade ago. He pleaded guilty to state prostitution charges and avoided with this deal more serious federal trafficking charges. Wilde said that deal, cut in secret, violated her rights under the Crime Victims' Rights Act. A full federal appeals court panel of judges ruled last year that while the prosecution deal might have been shameful, the act allows victims to participate in criminal proceedings. It does not apply if no case was filed. Wilde's lawyers said at the time this will sideline victims in the future. The Supreme Court did not issue any comment in turning the case away. And Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Defense attorneys for three former officers accused of violating George Floyd's civil rights are telling a federal jury that inadequate training is to blame. Prosecutors in their closing argument said it was a crime for those officers not to help Floyd the day he was killed by Officer Derek Chauvin. The Yankees are retiring number 21. There are some people who know former baseball player Paul O'Neill only from an episode of Seinfeld when he played himself, got roped into trying to hit two home runs in one game to help Kramer help George get out of a pickle. New York Yankees fans know Paul O'Neill as the warrior, the outfielder whose intense approach to every game made it feel like Game 7. A four-time American League All-Star, O'Neill helped the Yankees win four World Series from 1996 to 2000. And now he'll get the same honor that teammates Derek Cheater, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, and Bernie Williams received. As well as their manager, Joe Torre, the Yankees are going to retire O'Neill's jersey number, 21, August 21st, as long as the owner's lockout ends before then and we have a baseball season. Over nine years with the Yankees, O'Neill batted three. 185 home runs, 304 doubles, 858 RBIs. Fox's Jared Max. Again, the Dow down more than 400 points, but it was down over 600. At least the Brady. Fox News. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to remind you, you can watch the live stream right now, which means... You can hang out with us on Rumble at Casey the Host or on my website, theburningtruth.us. Just click on the live stream. Be happy to uh, have you all over there. Rumble's been growing by leaps and bounds over the past couple of weeks. Do appreciate that for everybody who has participated and helped us grow the Rumble channel as Truth Social is now launched. It is, uh, it's going to be, I think, it's going to be a really big deal because Rumble has exclusive distribution deals with Truth Social. So there's some interesting stuff at at play there. And as Rumble continues to position itself as a direct competitor to YouTube, not just in the politics and news space, but in everything, they they have all sorts of content up there. So basically think of YouTube 
And that's what Rumble is. So they've got cat videos. They've got DIY videos. They've got news and politics videos. They've got all of it. It's just that they leave you alone for your politics. So whatever your your politics are, your news, that sort of thing, Rumble allows you to be yourself and they don't harass you, unlike everybody else. So it's always nice to nice to see that. Uh, an FDA expert has now said, hey, the CDC, it's time for you guys to start telling the truth. So we've already told you that in Britain, okay, the British Medical Journal has finally gone scorched earth and said it is time for the vaccine companies to release all of their data to the public for the entire world to see. Because the vaccine companies have been keeping all of their research on their own vaccines super secret. Then the FDA, who reviewed Pfizer's own research from their own studies, their own trials, had to review that in order to give it the emergency use authorization And then what did they do? They tried to hide that from you for over 70 years. It was a court, a brave judge who stood up and said, that's it. No, you you were able to review this information in a few days. It was compiled over a couple of months, so you can easily release this to the public. You don't need to wait 70 some odd years. Now, the reason they wanted to wait 70 some odd years is because obviously the information that was in the Pfizer trial was very bad for the vaccine. Lots of serious adverse side effects. Over 1,200 people were killed by the vaccine. It's a big deal, right? In a very short period of time. Now, who knows how many other people since then have fallen victim to some of those particular side effects. Now, again, even though we point that out, the vast majority of people who do get the vaccine will not have any negative serious side effects, and that's good. But the sheer amount of people who are having serious negative side effects from these vaccines far exceeds any other vaccine in history. And they would have all been pulled off of the market with a fraction, a tiny fraction of a fraction of a percent in any other circumstance. But this time around, they're trying to force it on everybody. And that's very peculiar. And that's why people are looking at it and going, something's up. So now we find out that the CDC over the weekend, the CDC, as we have told you previously, is withholding data from everybody. And the CDC now admits that they're withholding data from everybody because they don't want you to misinterpret it. And that is the exact same reason that Scotland gave for no longer doing weekly reports of new vaccine cases and vaccination status or new infection, new COVID cases and vaccination status because they don't want people to see two and two and, quote, misinterpret that data. Hmm. So again, I ask you to take a step back. How could you misinterpret that data? What might the conclusion of the average person be if you were to look at the CDC's data and the data from the nation of Scotland? You'd probably start to see, hmm, looks like that vaccine doesn't really help you all that much. So an FDA expert has stepped forward and said, look, it is time for you to just tell everybody what in the world is going on. Dr. Paul Offit, FDA Advisory Committee member, urged the CDC to tell the truth and present the data to the public. Scientists stressed that publishing the data went hand-in-hand with educating the public about vaccines, explaining that as more people are vaccinated, the percentage of vaccinated people who are infected or hospitalized would also rise. They urged the CDC to publish the information, tell the truth, present the data, is what Dr. Paul Offit said. He's a vaccine expert, by the way, and an advisor to the Food and Drug Administration. I have to believe that there is a way to explain these things so people can understand it. 
He noted that because the CDC had not published the information, American scientists were forced to rely on Israeli data. There's no reason that they should be better at collecting and putting forth data than we are. The CDC is the principal epidemiological agency in this country, and so you would like to think the data came from them. So, very reasoned position that he has. Again, the CDC's position is, as more people get vaccinated, naturally more people will end up in the hospital. Of course, there's ways to account for that. The CDC just isn't telling anybody. They're hiding it, just like the FDA was hiding it from everybody. And all you're doing is creating skepticism under the guise of not releasing the data because you don't want to create skepticism. But you have to ask yourself, why is it that they don't want you to see this data? They want you to trust the science, but they don't want you to actually see the science. So they want you to just trust their interpretation of the science, but you don't know if the interpretation that they're giving you is accurate because you can't verify what they're saying because you're not allowed to look at the science. Wouldn't it be nice if you had the data in front of you and you could go to an expert and say, hey, the data says this and I'm a little confused by it. It looks a little bad. What, what do you want to say about it? And then the expert can maybe put it in context or, or maybe the expert won't put it in context and that's really why they don't want you to have that data. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the big thing. Now, kind of speaking about this, this is so Neil Cavuto is back and we commented on, I think during the commercial breaks and Neil Cavuto was on yesterday. He was talking to Jeb Bush for some strange reason. I don't know why Jeb Bush is doing anything. Um, but Cavuto returned to the air on Monday after being hospitalized in the ICU with COVID pneumonia. Okay. Um, his, his illness was described as touch and go for a time. Now, <laughs> he says, I did get COVID again, but a far, far more serious strand. What doctors call COVID pneumonia. Okay. I- I'm sorry, but like a week or two before he got it again, wasn't he on his show lecturing everybody about getting booster shots? You know, the booster shots would protect you against, you know, COVID pneumonia. What Wasn't that something that he was doing on his show constantly, constantly just harassing people by getting vaccinated and everything else? And again, this is the thing that people need to understand. There is scientific data out there that seems to suggest that as you're being vaccinated, there are some issues with certain strains of COVID that attacks the spike protein in the vaccine, and it actually makes it worse. Now, that's preliminary data. Uh, it's mostly theoretical, but there are some lab results that seem to suggest that that could be the case. Some bigger studies have come out kind of highlighting that people who are vaccinated are more susceptible to the newer strains of COVID than people who are not vaccinated. And Neil Cavuto, who's out there pushing you to get four, five, six, seven boosters, got his booster and then he gets COVID pneumonia shortly after that. And, of course, what does he do? He comes on and he goes, yeah, yeah, the, the booster and the vax totally helped me. You were touch and go for a while there, dude. You almost died. You almost died. Here's, here's the thing that Neil Cavuto needs to understand. And I know that I've been very harsh on Neil Cavuto because he lied to everybody on his show about hydroxychloroquine. Neil Cavuto told all of you that if you did the things that he didn't want you to do, you would die. And for you to live, 
and did not have a rough go of it. You had to do what he did, and then he almost died. Get it? And he was just lecturing people on his show about getting an extra booster just a few weeks ago. And then he got it and almost died. Hmm. But he's super convinced, just like everybody else who gets COVID who's been vaccinated. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 100%. The COVID vaccine totally made it less severe. How do you know that? Considering the large number of people who get COVID and have no symptoms at all, how in the world do you know that the vaccine made it less severe for you? The answer is you don't know. That's how you're justifying in your own mind that you got it when you were telling everybody they wouldn't get it if they would just go get the vaccine. But now that that's not true for you, you've got to, you got to do all the mental gymnastics you possibly can to justify it in your own head. So you aren't embarrassed that maybe you were wrong and gave people bad advice. Just something to ponder for all of you out there. Because there is some emerging data here that seems to suggest that at least some variants of COVID do target vaccinated people. Um, and again, it's, I'm not going to tell you it's definitive. It's early, but there are lab results from multiple labs that seem to show that that could be the case. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. You want to go to the uh, Garth Brooks concert and start a marsh pit with me? I've seen Garth Brooks in concert, I don't know, four times. Once when he was like, you know, mega country star. Well, twice. No, twice mega country star. And then I was at opening night when his show in Las Vegas opened. I was a part of the media advanced group that was there. In fact, it was just recently, a couple of weeks ago, the pictures of my behind-the-scenes media event with Garth Brooks uh, came up in my Facebook memories, and I almost shared them, but I'm like, I think people are sick and tired of me sharing the Garth Brooks photos. And it was like the next week that, that it was announced that he was coming back uh, to Notre Dame. Of course, that concert at Notre Dame was nuts. They filmed a video for that one, right? Yeah, so that was like a big, that was a big deal. Um, but now he's going to do it in May, and here's what I'm hoping for, okay, in May. I am hoping for sweltering heat. And a mosh pit. So if you go to the Garth Brooks concert at Notre Dame, let's make that happen. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I just, mosh pits are fun. And I'm sorry, Garth Brooks would be down with a mosh pit. So true story. I He did two shows that opening night in Vegas, basically for VIPs and media. Okay. And I did the second show. And there's a part of me that was bummed about doing the second show or like being in the audience for the second show. Because I wanted to be a part of the first show, right? I saw Garth Brooks in his very first show in Las Vegas, right? I'm so happy I was at the second show because you know what he did? He did like two or three hours of extra music and it was just song requests. That's all it was. This guy who's tell constantly telling you that he can't play guitar, okay? He had a t-shirt and jeans on and he had a ball cap, a dirty ball cap. Trisha Yearwood, his wife, came out. Are they still married? I don't know. They were married at the time. She came out. She did a couple of songs with him. She went back. Okay. But he's just, he was, he's dressed like me. Right. And when you grew up in the Garth Brooks era of country music, it was, you know, tight jeans, very big belt buckles <clears throat> and uh, boots and very loudly colored country shirts with big old cowboy hats. Right. That was Garth Brooks that I knew. 
And here's Garth Brooks just in a, you know, T-shirt and dirty jeans and a dirty ball cap looking like me. And I'm telling, he just, all he did, he finished his concert and then he did requests. Metallica, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash, bunch of other just legends of music were on there. This guy with his acoustic guitar was just smacking down some of the greatest heavy metal songs of all time. It was awesome. So if you think for a second that he would not appreciate a mosh pit at one of his concerts, you're wrong. So all I'm asking for is that the the older folks who don't want to be a part of it get pushed to the perimeter so they're safe, okay? And then I want all of you young kids to just, like, make a really, really intense mosh pit for me. Because I just want to see. I won't be there. I'm too old. Don't like crowds. Sorry. Not into it anymore. It, they, they make me too nervous. All I think about is how I'm going to hurt people when I'm in a crowd. So I just want to see it, though. So if somebody could have a drone flying over that thing and then have a massive, giant mosh pit at the Garth Brooks concert, I would be ever grateful to all of you. So you, you have until May to plan this out, okay? So you got a few months to plan out a mosh pit for the Garth Brooks concert. And if it doesn't happen, I'd be very disappointed in this community. So disappointed. I might move to Florida, Josh. If they don't do a mosh pit at the Garth Brooks concert, I might just leave. That, that's how upset I would totally be. All right, what else do we have here? There's a bunch of people out there going, what's a mosh pit? Google it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun when you have rage issues. Uh, something else happened during COVID. You ready for this? This is going to come as a, a huge super shock to school boards. And in particular, the teachers at Mishawaka Public Schools. All right, you ready for this? I don't know if you are. Hospitalizations of children dropped during the pandemic, according to a new study. Wait, they didn't go up? You, you, mean, you mean kids didn't get more sick and die more during the pandemic than they did before the pandemic? Nope. Turns out that kids were a lot safer during the pandemic. Everybody else is the ones that that suffered the physical ailments of COVID. Kids are going to suffer the mental ailments of it. Hospitalizations among children during the COVID-19 pandemic declined, according to a study published by the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, so for those of you who don't know what the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are, it is a very tiny little blog. It's run by this dweeb, this one guy who doesn't know anything about science and is trying to constantly sell you essential oils. It's not run by any credible you know, uh, science-y type people at all. The study looked at children up to the age of 17, splitting them into three age groups, 0 to 5, 0 to 4, 5 to 11, 12 to 17. And compared with 2019, overall pediatric emergency department visits decreased by 51% for 0 to 4, 22% for 5 to 11, and 23% for 12 to 17-year-olds during the 2020-2021 pandemic season. Huh. Son of a gun. It's almost like COVID didn't affect kids at all. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, MNC News Time, is 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations. Impress with Impress. All right. All sorts of dirty jokes on the live stream from that live read. Holy smokes. Y'all got your minds in the gut. It's only a Tuesday. Only Tuesday, people. It's 4.40 on a Tuesday, although it is an epic an epic day. I mean, this is Ultimate Taco Tuesday. Uh, it's still happening at my, a Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill, by the way. Thank you for everybody who came out. Um, they were, okay, okay I'm, 
Monterey was stressed at how many of you showed up today, but they were extremely happy. So they weren't expecting that many people. A ton of you came. And did we or did we not pack that restaurant at all levels, Josh? And they were not expecting that on a Tuesday, not during lunch. Taco Tuesday gets busy for them in the evening, not at lunch. Uh, Taco Tuesday today was a bunch of rowdy Casey Hendrickson listeners, and a lot of new faces were there. And they were super stoked to have you, Um, although you scared them a little (laughs) because they did not have enough staff But they got some people in. They were able to get it under control, and everything worked out great. Thank you for that. Very successful remote today over at Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill. But Ultimate Taco Tuesday and National Margarita Day still happening at Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill for the rest of the day. So make sure you head on out there. Of course, let them know that I sent you several people buying my bags of coffee that were there too, by the way, because they do sell my bags of coffee. So if you want Casey's Burning Brewer, Casey's Dark Side Brew, you can get it there as well. All right, what else do we have here? Oh, yeah, Bill Gates says I'm right. Now, I don't know how to take that. If Bill Gates says that I'm right, does that mean that I'm really wrong? I'm asking for a friend. During an event at the Munich Security Conference. No, wait, I said that wrong. Hold on. During an event at the Munich Security Conference, Bill Gates said that, sadly, Omicron is a type of vaccine. Well, that just, that flies in the face of what the teachers at Mishawaka uh, public schools are saying, I'm never going to let them live that down, by the way. I'm just, I'm not. Sorry. You, you, you running around telling kids that Omicron is more dangerous than Delta. I'm sorry. You're a flipping idiot. So anyway, he says, um, sadly, the virus itself, particularly the variant called Omicron, is a type of vaccine. That is, it creates both B cell and T cell immunity. And it's done a better job getting out to the world population than we have with vaccines, Gates lamented. Hmm. It is almost like nature can fix itself. So mankind either creates or lets out a virus. Nature says, whoa, that ain't supposed to happen. And then creates a new variant of the virus that makes it Much less deadly. Hmm. The billionaire went on to point out that 80% of Africans have either been vaccinated or infected with one of the variants and the minority having been vaccinated. Uh, By the way, we we talked about this yesterday. Uh, United States is now 75% immune to Omicron. That means the chance of severe disease, which is mainly associated with being elderly and having obesity or diabetes, those risks are now dramatically reduced because of that infection or exposure, uh, says Bill Gates. So, For those of you who don't like Bill Gates, you probably just ignore what he has to say. For those of you who are Bill Gates acolytes about everything that he talks about, vaccines and everything else, I would expect you to reverse course and stop attacking people like me and just accept that I was right and you were wrong and Bill Gates now admits it. What are the the chances of that happening to me anytime soon? I'm just, I'm wondering. However, uh, despite the seemingly good news, Gates still expressed regret that it highlighted the vaccine rollout not being as successful as it could have been. Well, look, I will say this, and I think that this is important, and I've said this before. I still think what happened with the vaccines as fast as they were developed, I still think that that was a a marvel. I really do. Did they work as good as we were hoping they would work? No, they didn't. Did they probably save some lives with the early, um, you know, alpha variants? 
Yeah, probably. And that can't be minimized. And it's, I think it's important that people understand that. People still accept that. The issue became after the vulnerable population was vaccinated, they then decided to make this all about politics and money. And they decided to continue using what should have been an emergency stopgap on people who are not susceptible to the virus anyway. And then lying to you about why you should get it. You know, people like, I don't know, Neil Cavuto running out there and telling you that you need to get vaccinated and, and super boosted and then getting COVID anyway, nearly dying himself, even though he's vaccinated and super boosted. And for all we know, him being super boosted is why his COVID experience was so bad. That COVID pneumonia that they're talking about. Um, but, you know, it's he's right. Bill Gates is right here. You may not like the man, but he's right. The Omicron variant has been the best vaccine against COVID that we have. We've been telling you this from the early days that it was discovered in South Africa, when the doctors themselves said this could actually be really good, that we have this new variant. And then those same doctors who discovered Omicron who were saying, no, this could be good. This is seriously, this very mild illness, not killing anybody. And then what happened? The European Union tried to pressure the doctors who discovered Omicron to say it was more deadly than the Delta variant. Now, thank God they didn't go along with that and they told the world the truth in spite of uh, the Western media, particularly American media, lying about it and running around telling everybody that it was more deadly than Delta. You just had Dr. Ding a couple of weeks ago on MSNBC You heard me talk about him before. Dr. Ding goes on MSNBC just two weeks ago and says the Omicron variant is more deadly for children than the Delta variant, and that is 100% a lie. Every single speck of data shows that it is less deadly across the board, period, end of story. But he still has a platform to say it. And because there are people who shockingly get their information from MSNBC, and they think somehow it's credible, they're still running around believing it. And a lot of those people happen to be teachers and politicians and public health officials. I don't know what else to to tell you. I don't know how else to explain it. How do you get to a point where everybody knows that Omicron is less dangerous, and yet you still have people running around in schools telling children, no, no, it's more dangerous, wear your mask. What are you talking about? As people were pointing out on the live stream earlier, because the queen has COVID now. Not only was the queen vaccinated and boosted, but nobody could get near the queen unless they were tested and tested negative. Because, you know, it's the queen. And this is just a conspiracy theory of mine now. What if, what if the queen got COVID even while testing everybody around her and making sure she's vaccinated and boosted? What if the queen got COVID? Because, I don't know, COVID is airborne. And it's like, in the air you breathe and stuff. What if? Just, you know, you don't have to buy into that conspiracy theory. But what if COVID is airborne? And that is how the queen got infected. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And I don't know what the Ukrainian foreign minister is saying right now as he is giving his... His portion of the press conference with Antony Blinken. Antony Blinken said, Putin is breaking international law. 
Okay, what are you going to do about it? Not a thing. We're not going to do anything about it. We're going to let Putin break international law and violate one of our allies that we promised, with a pinky swear promise, by the way, to protect from Russian invasion. And I can only imagine what the Ukrainian guy, uh, Dmitro Kuleba, is saying right now. But I, I did a rough translation on the live stream during the commercial break of what I kind of assume that he's saying is, Basically, I don't know why I'm standing here. Uh, th- this guy to my right uh, is a coward and he's weak and he's not doing what he promised to do. And, and you know, from the Ukrainian people, it was nice knowing you. That's what I'm assuming he's saying, but I don't really know. I, I assume I'm close. Somewhere in, in the, the ballpark, at, at least. I, I, again, I don't know for sure, but got to be, right? Okay, what do we got here? Uh, watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that rumble button, too. A lot of you have not hit the rumble button the past couple of days. Uh, the rumble button is like YouTube's like a button, and I'm assuming it helps with the algorithm. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that it does help with the algorithm. There's got to be a way for me to end up on the front page of, of rumble.com at some point in time. The show that was on there earlier today had less viewers than I had, and yet was featured on the front page of the website. There's got to be a way for me to get on the front page. I got to figure that out. Okay, what else do we have here? <clears throat> um, oh, there's there is this. Um, where did this go? Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, the mask mandates might not be a bad idea, and here's why. Okay, so I know that I just got done telling you all about masks. I know that I've been telling you about masks for a long time, but th- there may be an argument for masks. Okay, are you ready for this? And I know that some of you are going to be confused by this, but I just you bear with me. Okay. There's a possibility that masks might be a good idea. And the reason for that is a new artificial intelligence has been created. And what this will do, this will take 100 billion photos that could make almost everyone in the world identifiable through facial recognition and then put it into a global database. Uh, what could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Clearview AI aims to put almost every human in facial recognition database. Oh, okay. The controversial facial recognition company Clearview AI reportedly told investors that its aim is to collect 100 billion photos, supposedly enough to ensure that almost every human will be in its database. Clearview AI is telling investors it is on track to have 100 billion facial photos in its database within a year, enough to ensure almost everyone in the world will be identifiable according to a financial presentation from December that has been obtained by the Washington Post. Now, there is about 7.9 billion people on the planet, and they have 100 billion photos. Where do you think those photos are coming from? You're not sending them in to anybody. Where do you think they're coming from? That's right. They're coming from the internet. They're coming from social media uploads and all of that stuff. Because none of that stuff is private. So it's... What could possibly go wrong? That Maybe wearing a mask isn't such a bad idea. Just saying. I mean, people like Joy Behar are going to bless us with hiding their face forever. Uh, she's already admitted that. I don't think she'll actually keep her word, but... She has said that she will wear a mask no matter what in the foreseeable future when she leaves the house, which I thanked her uh, underneath her post about that. 
I thanked her on behalf of humanity for hiding her face from the rest of us, but this is this is a problem. Got more coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News. Am I wrong, though? I mean, I'm looking at this poor Ukrainian foreign minister, this Dmitro Kuleba. I have no idea what this guy is saying. He just looks sad. You know, this is a guy who's like, I, I don't understand why I'm still having a press conference next to this, this dingus over here, Anthony Blinken. And, like, my flag is behind me, and you realize this, like, may not exist next week. And he's just wondering why... Nobody will help. <laughs> you know, you got Blinken going, ah, yeah, this is 100%. A, it's a violation of international law. And so the Ukrainian guy's like, and? Can you help? No, we're not going to help at all. Oh, okay. I guess. I mean, it's just, it's he does. He looks real sad. He looks upset. Um, He looks like he doesn't want to be there. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. He looks like he wants to choke the ever-loving crap out of Anthony Blinken. He does. You look at, tell me that that, Josh, tell me that guy right there is not angry. Is he, he's angry. That is a mad, and he has every right to be upset. All right. Anyway, Sarge, latest update on Ukraine since the five o'clock hour. It's all a mess. Just letting you know. All right. So what else do we have here? Let's talk about the People's Republic of Seattle. So the People's Republic of Seattle did something that I frankly, I support. Uh, They got rid of their mandatory bicycle helmet law. It's the reason that they got rid of it, though, that is so sweet. All right. Now, I I personally don't care if you want to crack your head on a tree. That's your choice as far as I'm concerned. And every time I say that, there's always a first responder that goes, I have to respond to the crime scene and see your your brain splattered all over the ground. Yeah, but you volunteered to be there. You knew that was a possibility. So that's on you. That's not on me. Uh, But the law requiring Seattle bicyclists to wear helmets has been in effect for nearly 30 years. This has not helped their intellect in that city at all, by the way. Uh, Even though they've had a bicycle helmet law for 30 years and since like 90% of the city rides bicycles there, uh, and they're all dumb, stupid, horrendously flawed people, it has not helped them in any way. You could say... Based on 30 years of experience, bicycle helmets makes you stupid. That is uh, what the empirical data says. But it was revoked. Okay, so for 30 years, there's been a bicycle helmet law in Seattle, but it's now been revoked. Anyone care to guess the reason why? Why would a bicycle... Does everybody at least understand that helmet laws, for the most part, save lives, right? For the most part. There are exceptions where they can cause accidents depending on the helmet that you're wearing and that sort of thing. But by and large, they save lives, okay? I'm not saying that they're right. Again, your choice if you want to scrape your scalp across the sidewalk. Doesn't matter to me. So why is it that after 30 years, you would revoke the bicycle helmet law in a place like Seattle, which is basically the worst possible stereotype of a bicyclist that you could possibly imagine, but as the entire personality of the city. Well, if you answered racial equity, you would be correct. That's right. 
The King County Board of Health voted to repeal the helmet mandate because of accusations that the law was disproportionately enforced against people of color and homeless people. <laughs> um, look, I think you should be proud of who you are as a human being, but let's be honest. Um, white people's one of white people's least proud moments is that we will wear the stupid bicycle helmet, and and we look ridiculous wearing the thing. Now, some of you go, it's okay looking ridiculous because we're safer. That's fine. You still look ridiculous. You know who doesn't want to look ridiculous on a bicycle? Everybody else. Everybody else. And that should be their choice as far as I'm concerned. And last I checked, homeless people can't afford a bicycle helmet. You know, those things aren't cheap. Bicycle helmets are not cheap. Surprisingly expensive. So because the law that you had to have a helmet on disproportionately affected minorities and homeless people who are less likely to wear a bicycle helmet, the bicycle helmet law was repealed. Do I need to dive into this anymore to point out how asinine this really is? Anyway, I'm going to just move on to the story here. In 1993, King County passed the law that requires all bicyclists to wear helmets. The law was expanded to explicitly include Seattle in 2003. The law was enacted to decrease the severity of bicycle incidents. However, the community began noticing data that suggests black and homeless bicyclists receiving more tickets than others. Yes, because black people and homeless people are less likely to wear a bicycle helmet. Okay. Uh, Seattle Police Department data collected and analyzed by Seattle Neighborhood Greenways and Helmet Law Working Group shows that police disproportionately gave helmet law citations to black indigenous, and people of color cyclists. Right. Because they are less likely to make themselves look like a ridiculous idiot on a bicycle. Not that looking like a ridiculous idiot doesn't make you safer. You just look stupid wearing a bicycle helmet and wearing the weird little getup that you're wearing. But if that's how you want to be safe, that is fine. I am not denigrating you. I am just pointing out how utterly ludicrous all bicyclists look in bicycle garb. And there are certain demographics of our country which tend to promote style and appearance above safety. Those would be every other group other than white people. And uh, homeless people who can't afford a bicycle helmet. I'm surprised they don't have helmets for homeless. Wait, I got to look that up. That's got to be a thing, right? Josh, it's got to be a thing. Hold on. Helmets for homeless. Hold on. I might be starting something here. Hold on a second. Uh, there, there, no, helmets to hard hats. There's no helmets for homeless programs in the country. What? Nobody picked up that mantle and ran with No bicycle shops picked up that mantle and said, hey, wait, hold on a second. Homeless people don't have bicycle helmets. 
Uh, so we should probably do something for the homeless people who can't afford a bicycle helmet. And that's why they're getting the citations because they can't afford a helmet. And where were the bicycle shops doing the outreach to minority communities about safety? I'll bet they didn't do it because you know what Seattle is full of? Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? What is Seattle full of? Right. Pasty white liberals. Pasty white liberals don't like engaging and having conversations with not pasty white liberals. So maybe that's why they didn't do an outreach program to try and get more uh, black, particularly, but other minorities uh, to wear bicycle helmets. Well, all right. Again, I support the repeal of the law. It's just repealed for the most ridiculous reason ever. You got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Yeah, I know. There'll be that one guy who rides a bicycle who's going to really upset at me. Look, I, I'm not saying that you can't ride a bicycle. Just to be honest, you look ridiculous doing it. And that's okay, as long as it makes you happy. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that if you wore a helmet everywhere you went, you are less likely to get a head injury? Everywhere. You should probably wear a helmet all the time, honestly. You know, it's um, it, it should be a, just a part of your normal routine just to wear a, I don't, it doesn't have to be a bicycle helmet. It's supposed to be more fashionable. Maybe if everybody started wearing bicycle helmets, they would make them look nicer. I was just talking with uh, the live stream about this. You know, wouldn't it be great, since there appears to be a problem in minority communities wearing helmets, if people like, oh, I don't know, LeBron James and Snoop Dogg would start wearing bicycle helmets everywhere that they went. And then perhaps people would start to say, all right, they're not so bad. And then they would be able to wear them. Like, you all understand that Seattle has just chosen to let more people die and have traumatic brain injury than to appear to be racist, right? That's what just happened. I felt like I was giving you enough rope there for you to understand what was going on. But just in case, the city of Seattle has decided it's better to have more people die than to appear to be racist. That's the official policy of the city. Death better than racism. That is a heck of a hill to die on, but, you know, you do you, Seattle. I mean, you got that whole Chaz Chop thing that you still haven't sorted out. So anyway, uh, there's internal polling. Speaking of Seattle, there's internal polling for the Democratic Party uh, that says that, um, yeah, things aren't good. Three San Francisco school board members were tossed in a recall this last week. Some thought it was due to COVID overreach. That was partially true, so... That, As the board was dithering on reopening schools, they were more focused on renewing schools and instituting a lottery system for admission, which did not bode well. Asian Americans make up 34% of the city's population. United and Slade, uh, United and Slade, these three, I don't know what that is. Okay, anyway, uh, 538's Nate Silver noted how it is under, it's underappreciated how unpopular liberal positions are, even among liberals, which triggered some people. He was commenting on how deleted a now deleted tweet from the New York Times writer who noted how hardcore COVID containment policy might be a political loser. Um, now, and here's the thing. So, you know, you've got 
by the way, speaking of racism, uh, one of the members, at least one of the members of that school board who was tossed off at the San Francisco school board, claimed it was racism. And, like, white supremacy. Because, I, what, I don't know, is the city of San Francisco a white supremacist hotbed? It's San Francisco. They sniff their own farts there. It is San Francisco. So, anyway, they conducted a poll. And the internal poll for the Democrats are not good. Uh, the poll was conducted from mid-January to early February. Had approximately 1,000 respondents and a 3.1 margin of error. The findings from the poll were presented to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. By the way, 3.1% is about average. what you want. You want about a 3% margin of error. So it was presented to them last Thursday. Uh, one slide in the presentation, which was shared with the San Francisco Gate by someone who attended the presentation and was granted anonymity in accordance with uh, her ethics policy, states many of the Republican attacks tested have alarming credibility, including Republican attacks on COVID-19 policy. Hmm. The poll found that 57% of voters in competitive congressional districts agree with the statement, Democrats in Congress have taken things too far in their pandemic response. Whoa. So in districts where Democrats are in a toss-up with Republicans, 57% of of, uh, voters said that Democrats in Congress went too far on COVID. That's not good. 66% of self-defined swing voters in competitive districts agree with that statement as well. White and Hispanic voters in competitive districts were equally as likely to agree, 59%, while black voters, 42%, and Asian voters, 46%, disagreed with these statement. The poll also did not define what taken things too far means. So it was a general statement. So the Democrats' own internal polling right now shows that they're going to get their butts kicked in toss-up districts. And that independents, 66% of which, who go back and forth, are not supportive of Democrats' COVID policies. That doesn't bode very well for them if that holds through the election for the midterm. Uh, they're going to be in big trouble if that, if that holds. Now, I have to talk about this. I've had this for a few days. I haven't mentioned it yet, and I feel it's important because most of you know that I'm a big carnivore, big fan of eating meat. Uh, Biotech company is claiming that they will be able to manufacture meat out of thin air. And I, 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 okay, Um, I don't know how I feel about that. While trying to solve the problem of how to feed astronauts over the course of a year-long space mission, NASA researchers discovered that carbon dioxide exhaled during breathing can be captured by a special class of microbes and turned into protein-packed nutrients. Hey, don't they say that carbon dioxide kills the planet? Isn't that one of the global warming gases? Uh, Does this change that now? Now now we can just make a bunch of hamburgers out of it, right? By the way, what are we going to do when cows die off? Let's say the greenies have their way. Greenies don't want you to have any meat, steak, whatever. Um, what is the reason to keep cows around if we don't do anything? If we're not allowed to have milk and we're not allowed to eat beef, what is the reason for cows? And what are we supposed to do with the cows that we have? I assume at some point, if they have their way, cows will be extinct. I'm sure there's been a movie that's had extinct cows in it at some point. 
So carbon dioxide exhaled during breathing can be captured by a special class of microbes and turned into protein-packed nutrients. I don't know how carbon dioxide turns into protein. Okay. Uh, made in 1967, that discovery has led to a California startup attempting to make what amounts to air-based meat. So many jokes. Uh, the company appropriately dubbed Air Protein. God, what a... Okay, they're appropriately named, but that is a stupid... That's almost as stupid as you look riding a bicycle. Air Protein? It's like Air Bud, that movie, The Dog. It uses air, water, and renewable energy, yeah, carbon dioxide, to engineer a protein-rich flour using a process similar to how yogurt, cheese, and wine are made. That flour is then used to recreate the flavor, texture, and taste of animal proteins such as chicken, fish, beef, and pork via pressure, temperature, and cooking techniques. Now, what do you bet, since this is a carbon dioxide-based flour, what do you bet it's not high in the nutrients that you would get from, you know, I don't know, real meat? And I don't know how, is consuming carbon dioxide healthy for the human body? Even if it is made into a flour? I I don't know. I have no idea, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as, As long as there are animals around, I am going to kill them and eat them. MNC News Time is 5.31. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. All right, I promised to do something yesterday. I didn't get a chance to do it because we had that breaking news. Um, so I'm going to do it today. It has been a year without Rush Limbaugh. And I've got an article here with the five lessons that he left us on how to handle the left. And I thought it was good to kind of go over these five things because they are quintessential quintessential rush. Uh, one of them you have heard me repeatedly say on this show with a hashtag. So number one, know your enemy. Rush's core mission, besides attracting an immense audience so he could charge Conspicatory advertising rates, okay. (laughs) Wow, that's a great way of putting that. Uh, Yes, his advertising was extremely expensive. Uh, Was to give his listeners an ideological understanding of our political opponents on the left. The left's handbook never, ever changes. And how many times have you heard me say that? You heard Rush say that? You heard people even before him say that? And that's because their playbook is exactly the same as it's always been. It is your standard Marxist fair playbook. And it plays off of human emotion. And it, that's why they're so predictable. It, but that's that frustration of their predictability that is so infuriating to people like me who understand what is coming when you see activists on the right who are relatively new to the game get very energized, very motivated, and completely screw up the basics. Because they allow the left to win without trying to allow the left to win. Why? Because they fail to understand the game. They're just advocating on something that they they are advocating for. You know, they are um, some kind of an activist for a particular issue. And they go guns blazing and they do not see the strategy. They don't see it. They fail to identify it and they lose. Number two, reject the premise Leftist accusations and attacks are based on unstated premises. 
You are the problem. Conservatives are the problem. America is the problem. Learn to instantly and instinctively turn the tables as Rush did. Leftists used to call Rush dangerous. The unstated premise was that being dangerous to liberalism was bad. They expected the accusation would put Rush on defense, but he embraced that. He was indeed a threat to their dominance. Quote, they call me the most dangerous man in America. Know why? Because I am. And then he would laugh hysterically in typical Rush Limbaugh fashion. Number three, use your power. The left may appear invincible, but it exerts control based on a currency of deception, manipulation, corrupt bargains. The power we have is unassailable, and it is built on invisible things. Truth, joy, common sense, humor, love, gratitude, faith. These qualities answer to a higher authority, and the left has no counter to them. This was perfectly exemplified with the campaign to get Rush canceled after the Sandra Fluck thing. That entire campaign to go after his advertisers, which, by the way, did pull a couple of his advertisers away. Some of those advertisers don't exist anymore. And they were instantly replaced with new advertisers. And those companies continue to thrive. But that entire campaign was basically organized by like five people. And everything else was bots. They were all fake accounts. They were fake social media and everything else. Number four, have no fear. Leftists are bullies who are terrified of fearless, cheerful people. This is true. That's why they back down and run away every time you stand up to them, just like that woman at that Virginia school board meeting earlier this this, uh, last week. She stood up to the school board, proved that the school board is being hypocritical. What happened? The school board member flipped out and took off and ran away. But most importantly, number five, you hear me say this all the time. I'm starting to see more and more of my audience repeat this mantra over and over and over again. I use the hashtag go on offense frequently. Rush Limbaugh's number five, stay on offense. Be relentless because it has no moral foundation. The left's power is ephemeral, ephemeral, whatever. I don't know. I don't know that word. When fought, it will deflake like a souffle. It's true. It will. I got to look that word up now because I don't know how to say that. I'm going to write about Rush Limbaugh, and I'm going to use words that nobody ever uses. Um, so, but they're right. You got to go on offense. You got to stop playing defense. You have to. But that doesn't mean you go in guns blazing without recognizing the strategy when you're going on offense. You got to be smart about it. You know, you can when you're in a fight, you got that person who doesn't know what they're doing, they just charge you, right? They bull rush you. Well, if that person's fighting somebody who knows what they're doing, that person's going to lose quickly. But you can still be on the attack, be on offense, and be strategic about it. That's what's important. And you hear me constantly preaching that. Go on offense. Keep them on their toes. Because they don't have facts. They don't have the truth on their side. All they have is hyperbole and emotions. And if you can keep them on offense with the truth on your side, you keep yourself on offense with the truth on your side, I should say, they have no counter for that. None. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Do I got to leave already? 
This has been a long day that went really fast. And I know that makes zero sense, but that's just how I feel today. So here's the deal. Uh, watch the live streams, plural, every single day. Rumble.com slash Casey, the host, or the burningtruth.us. Got that conservative news aggregator on there every single day. Bill O'Reilly's up next. You have a wonderful night. We'll see you tomorrow.